Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Ultimate Coach Podcast, a companion to the transformative book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan D. Thompson. Each conversation is designed to be a powerful wake-up call, reminding us of what's possible for you and your life. So if you're on a journey to expand your state of being, this podcast is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Coach Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Meredith Bell, and today I'm really excited to welcome as one of my guests, Tom Lipinski. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Meredith. Excited to be here. Well, I am so looking forward to our conversation because you have this rich background of experiences um, seemingly somewhat diverse, but they all interrelate. And I'm looking forward to bringing this to our listeners who are in this community that we call the being community, who've studied the book, The Ultimate Coach, and are looking at how to really be their best selves. And one of the things about Tom that I'd like to share before we get started is Tom has a company called Everest Performance Coaching. And he's also not just involved in the Ultimate Coach community. He's been certified with Dr. Joe Dispenza's NeuroChange Solutions. And he's also certified with the HeartMath Institute. And some of our listeners, Tom, may be familiar with those. And we'll look at how those are all interconnected because I think it's a fascinating And it takes us deeper into this whole area of being. Let's start, though, with how you learned about the ultimate coach and got involved in this whole being movement. All right. Well, let's. uh, I'll make it short, but it uh, it goes back a little bit. So I've been coaching people since two thousand and five. It started with landmark education. We'll talk about that maybe. Yeah, And I've been a, a real estate broker for 32 years now. So as I advanced in my real estate career, I got a coach and then I became a coach. So around 2018, I think it was, I started coaching real estate agents and I had you know up to like 20 clients around the country. Then I put myself through some training at IPEC, which is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. And they had a Facebook page just like uh, the Ultimate Coach page. And there was a little exchange on there where some guy said, hey, I need a book to read. What should I read? And the other guy said, well, I think you should get the, uh, the Prosperous Coach. You know, I read that book once a year. You know, so it's like I was intrigued. I was just eavesdropping on the conversation, right? I was intrigued and ordered that book right away. And, you know, I got it as an audio book and then I bought it as a, a paperback book. And I kept hearing, you know, Steve Chandler and Rich Litman talk about Steve Hardison, Steve Hardison, the ultimate coach, the ultimate coach. So I go uh, pull out my phone and I look up the ultimate coach and Sure enough, there's Steve Hardison, and he's got a website, and I read testimonials, and it looks pretty exciting. And that was that. And then uh, I don't know if it was the same day or the next day, 
I got, I'm on Facebook, right? And, you know, as soon as you log into Facebook, you scroll down about an inch and then it says, do you know this person, you know, trying to, you know, build your network. And so obviously Facebook's algorithm, you know, had some data mining going on and knew that I had been to that website. And, and the person that do I know was Steve Hardison, you know? So I said, well, I don't know Steve Hardison, but I want to know him. So, you know, I'm about to click the button and it's like, oh, we have a mutual friend. So it's a friend's bike Coatsis. So, you know, I hit the button, sent out that friend request. I think three minutes later, Steve had accepted it. I contact uh, Mike. Mike, let's go out to breakfast and have a conversation. So we do that. We And he and he brings me up to speed that he was just about to start coaching with uh, Steve. He had been a longtime client of Chandler's and... You know, we just talked quite a bit about, you know, his experiences and I was just really interested and intrigued, you know, that I don't think it was on that at that breakfast, but uh, sometime thereafter, and this to give you some timelines on it is about the time the book's coming out. You know, I think, well, matter of fact, I ordered it before it was out and, you know, it was like two weeks and then Amazon sent it to me. We're, I would say this is like December of 21 when Mike tells me, hey, there's going to be this ultimate experience in in Phoenix. You ought to go. And it's like, yeah, it sounds like I want to be there. So I'm kind of the person that when something sounds good, I don't need to be convinced. I just get excited and jump in. So I grabbed three friends and I said, you guys are going with me to Phoenix. And they go, okay. So they were the same way. And we, we booked a flight. I think it was January 23rd to 22. We booked a flight and flew out in the morning, went to the ultimate experience, went out and had dinner, and then flew back all in the same day. You know, And so that was my experience, my initial experiences with the ultimate coach. So it started with, you know, really the prosperous coach by Chandler and Litvin, and it morphed into what it is right now. Such a great story. I think so many of us learned about Steve Hardison through one of Steve Chandler's books because you he know, I think you're right. Hardison in just about every one of them. That certainly was true for me also. And I think now you're quite active in the book reading group. Is that right? Are you yeah. at regularly? Yeah. I um Rain Warren when she was running, you know, or moderating the event invited me, you know, she used this really tricky strategy. She said, Tom, I really like your voice. Will you be a book reader? And it's like, oh, somebody likes my voice. Sure. I'll be a book reader. So, so I said, yes. And uh, I hadn't even been to a book reading at that point, I don't think. But after, after reading and then, you know, seeing how, how that, that holy that happened, I just started showing up to Every Wednesday book reading. I can't go to the Sunday ones because I hike with friends every Sunday morning. But on Wednesday, I would go. And then, you know, Rain uh, turned over the Rain, Rain turned over the reins to Tanya. And Tanya asked me to be part of the team. And uh, I said yes. And now this is my second year on the team. And just a great experience being on that team. I love it. The, I'm curious what some of the biggest takeaways have been for you as you hear the book come to life 
as it's being read. And then, of course, people who attend share some of the insights they've gotten, personal experiences they've had. So with your exposure to those book readings over all these times, what were some of the big insights or or, um, takeaways that you could say that you've had? Well, you know, last year, which was our th- third season, you know, I was part of a team and, you know, moderated every now and then. I can't moderate all the time, but I moderated a bit, you know, and Steve was in the room every single time, you know, and so it was kind of cool. It was almost like you get, it was like almost like a coaching session because, you know, Steve would talk, you know, at, at least two different times and he'd always have an amazing you know, something to teach, you know, things that come to mind right now are, you know, we're always creating, we're never not creating, you know, a a lot on acknowledgement. And I also got a lot on acknowledgement when I was at the ultimate experience from Steve, you know, and then, you know, experiencing love, you know, what that was all about when he would talk about Amy. And then, but I'll tell you the the biggest reason I I love the book reading is you know I read the book of course a few times and I'll you know kind of edit it into it for I don't probably a fourth or fifth time I don't know and so it's not so much the reading as it is what happens after the reading you know so the person who read the back of the book will go first with you know whatever come up for them and it'll be about themselves. We really go out of our way to make sure they don't talk about others and acknowledge people, but talk about themselves based on that reading or the back cover. You know, then the next one up will be the person who read it before you begin. And then whether there's one or two or three, you know, readers of chapters and vignettes, they'll go. And it's, you know, just always amazing things that come out of that. And then the shares that follow after those, you know, usually 10, 10 shares will usually happen. I, I love to see all the growth, you know, so it's like I've grown a lot personally by being in the ultimate coach group, I would say like emotional intelligence, intelligence might be a big one, but I've also watched, you know, my, my peers in there, you know, I, I, I want to name names, but at the same time, I probably miss somebody who's grown hugely, but I love the team that I'm on. They love me, and we just have this, you know, this great synergy and experience with one another. So that's so it's kind of like it's not a simple answer like hearing one person read, but it's the whole experience of growth in the world of being. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the world of being, you know, landmark is a key element uh, that influenced Steve in the Ultimate Coach book, the chapters about that. And I'm just curious, thinking about your own journey in being, and you were, you not only participated in landmark programs, you taught them. So I would love for you to share a bit about what were some of the biggest takeaways for you from that whole landmark experience. Yeah, and I still take away from it. So it was 2005, I did my forum and, you know, it's a Friday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Tuesday. And on that Monday, I felt like I was punched in the face, you know, because it's like, you know, my integrity got uncovered or my lack of integrity got uncovered, I guess you could say. And, you know, it was a hard event for me, 
you know, and and I, you know, there's other courses you take the advanced course and there's seminars. But then I landed in the self-expression and leadership program. And so I never was a, a trainer in there. I was always a coach. So I think I did the self-expression and leadership program eight or nine times. And you'd always have about four or five or six participants that you'd be coaching throughout the course. It's like almost like a six-month course, about five months, five or six. And then, and then I was a head coach quite a few times where I'm coaching the coaches who are coaching five or six people. And what I got out of Landmark is a deep understanding of what it is to be your word and what it is to honor your word. And we're not always going to be our word. We're human. Okay. Now, I'm way my word today than I was back then. But even today, I'll be out of integrity. But I do know how to honor my word. You know, so so honoring, so when you're out of integrity, you know, all there is is to do is de- is to declare, yeah, I'm out of integrity, whatever it is, you know, and then get the impacts. There's always impacts. And usually people swap off the impacts, but the impacts are a big deal. So you got to get all the impacts on others, on you. There's always a lot of them, a lot of them on you. You might get away with something, but you don't with yourself, right? You know, so there are a lot of impacts. And then I learned never to give a reason for anything. It's like you're either in integrity or you're out. If you're out, just declare it, you know, get the impacts and then recommit. Okay. If I give reasons like, you know, I'm late today because of the snow. All right. I gave all my power away to the snow. And I'd rather, you know, just acknowledge I'm late. I'm not committed to being late. And uh, here's what I'm going to do and get the impacts of being late. And then here's what I'm going to do to uh, honor my word and commit to being on time. So that's just an example of it. But, you know, Landmark was huge for me for that. And then the next great part or great teaching for me was, you know, about possibility. So in Landmark, there's two distinctions. Well, there's a hundred and some distinctions, but two big ones. The foundational ones are enrollment registration. You know, people have a hard time with what's enrollment, what's registration. And, and what, you know, you learn in that enrollment is, you know, sharing something you got with someone else such that they're touched, moved, and inspired by that share and that it makes it more real for you. And, and it, and, and it, and it causes possibility in your life. So, so I, you know, if I'm going to sum up landmark to a few things, I mean, I, wasn't necessarily thinking about it today, but for sure it's integrity, honoring your word, cleaning up messes. You know, Landmark has a few distinctions called rackets, you know, understanding what that is all about and then about possibility. So, so Landmark started me on my journey. You know, I, I don't know what my age was at the time, you know, almost, almost 20 years ago. So I'd be 45. You know, I've always been interested in what makes a person tick, what makes me tick. You know, I remember, you know, being, you know, maybe 19 or 20 and subscribing to Psychology Today magazine when all my friends had Sports Illustrated, right? You know, I was always wanting to know what was going on up there, you know, and so reading a lot, you know, up until Landmark and then Landmark was like this big, heavy dose of of integrity foundational integrity and possibility, you know, and then, you know, 
through my coaching journey through up to today. You know, it's just, you know, it's like I, the last two years have been just, you know, I've lived a lot of lifetimes in the last two years. So they've been, been amazing for me. Well, one of the places I'd love to go is related to a post that I read of yours on Facebook. And it was around perfectionism. It was so powerful, the insights that you shared around that. And I would love for you to just tell the story that you told in that post, because I think there's so many lessons to it. And it ties in with the certification you went through with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And actually, I've been doing work on that even today. So what you're referring to is the post that has the Kintsugi pottery, which is the Japanese, you know, when I would, if I dropped a ceramic bowl, it's like it's in the garbage, right? But Kintsugi pottery is uh, pick up the pieces, use lacquer and gold in most cases, and put it back together, you know, and have a one of a kind priceless piece. So how this became important to me, I was, well, I'll go back to you know, when I was being trained in NeuroChain Solutions with Dr. Joe, I had to do a presentation to Dr. Joe in front of my 71, 70 other peers. And I was so about doing it perfectly and word for word, you know, that I was memorizing but not getting the concept. You know, so I was giving my presentation. I got about halfway through and then my high beta brainwaves kicked in and I just lost it and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, catch myself where I was at, you know, and then I start sweating and, you know, and then, you know, I fumbled around, I finished it. Then it's time for Dr. Joe to, to, uh, you know, do his coaching and he's not just coaching me, he's coaching the whole room and, you know, got a lot of really good stuff out of that. So that was an example of me being, you know, striving for perfection, you know, and it got in the way of life. So fast forward about a year later, I'm being, I'm in heart math, uh, resilience advantage training to be able to teach that class, you know, under the heart math banner, you know, and we're doing teachbacks where we have to teach our peers parts of the course, you know, and it's like me and the the facilitator, the leader of the, the training had a little conversation and it was about perfection. And I told them that, you know, I'm not going to approach this to be perfect. I'm going to approach this to be perfectly imperfect, you know? And then he said, well, that's like Kintsugi pottery, you know? And I said, well, what's that? And he told me, and I looked it up and it's like, you know what? I love the concept of Kintsugi pottery because it's like, we're every one of us is broken in some way, but we're also amazing and beautiful in, in, in so many other ways, right? So it's like, pick up the pieces and put yourself together and be this, you know, amazing one of a kind individual, just like the Kintsugi pottery is one of a kind piece of art now. So that was the that was the distinction. Right. One of the things you stated though is what your definition or perception of what perfectionism is really all about. You might have to give me a little shove there. Oh, I mean, sure. Well, this whole thing of a desire to look good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the work I've been doing that I was doing even today. So, so if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna go way back to four year old town. 
Yes, okay. I would love that. And so, you know, until you're the you know age of seven, six or seven, you're you're functioning in a theta brainwave pattern, which is a hypnotic brainwave state, and you're suggestible in that state. And suggestibility means you accept, believe, and surrender to information, you know, without um, analyzing it. You know, so as a four-year-old, you know, I love my parents. They were doing their very best. But, you know, kids were meant to be seen and not heard. And, in you know, all my grandparents were from Poland and, you know, everybody spoke Polish around the house, you know, and and the Polish you know, at that time when they lived in Poland, it was a hard life. You know, it was a poor country. They had to work really hard for what little they had. They had to be happy with it. So, and then I can even go back further is that when I was born, my mom had a couple of years of postpartum depression. So, so she's struggling, right, to just survive and not able to provide the nurturing that, you know, I was craving as an infant, right? And I don't remember this, but you know, my sister was around and told me all about it. So, so I, I'm pe- so as I'm piecing this all together, you know, I created flawed, you know, I created not good enough. I created unworthy, and then I took it into my adult life, which is what most people do, right? You know, everybody lives through that age of theta brainwave states, right? So. In the Kintsugi pottery, you know, it's like now I realize that was all made up. You know, I am perfect with the way, exactly the way I am and exactly the way I'm not. And everyone else is perfect as the way they are and the way they're not. You know, and I don't have to, you know, put people up on a pedestal and be separate from, separate from them. You know, because there's a tendency for me you know, to look at Steve Hardison and say, Steve is up on this pedestal that I'm not there, or, you know, Steve Chandler, or, you know, lots of other people. And it's like, no, they've had great experiences. They're really good at what what they do. I should be happy for them. I should love them for that and not be comparing or separating myself. You know, and I just should on myself quite a bit there, but- I missed that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I, I- I do everything I can to not do it, but as I'm doing it, it's coming out. But, you know, really to answer your question, you know, it's like I am perfect as I am and I don't need to compare. There's no there's no reason to compare. All right. Just be just be you, be Tom. And that's really what I love about the ultimate coach group is, you know, we're we're all we're doing is like be the best expression of yourself for yourself. Don't be it for anybody else. Be it for you. Mm-hmm. That's so so true. And you had mentioned this going back to the four-year-old Tom multiple times because I think when we're willing to do that, as we examine beliefs we have, thoughts we have about ourselves or other people, if we're willing to explore where did that come from, it can just help us, I think, forgive ourselves and be less judgmental of ourselves and of others. Have you found that to be the case? Oh, yeah. Um, wow, just a flood of stuff's coming in right now. So you use the word forgiveness. That is a huge part of this whole piece here. Um, and that's also a huge lesson, you know, 
uh, from Steve in the book reading uh, days when he was there every day, because he would talk about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I want to talk about my document now. That's that great, right? because it, it makes sense that that would be a natural next step, because the forgiveness piece precedes, or it's most effective, I think, well, would you say? For me, it's like, you know, being unworthy or being flawed or, you know, all of that, right? You know, and then and identifying it all the way back to four years old. It's like, what good does that do? I mean, it's good to have that insight and it's good to have that understanding, but I'm not living in the past. I'm not really living in the future. I'm living right now with me and you talking here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in the present moment. You know, so what governs the present moment? Well, if I'm on autopilot, then it's the past. But if I'm in creation and conscious, then it's right now. So, you know, the document has been huge for me in my life. And the way it started for me, you know, of course, reading the book, eight, read it many times. That's probably the chapter I read the most. You know, I've helped a lot of like the people I coach, you know, they all have documents. And for me, it's, you know, I was, well, I had gone to the ultimate experience And then a week later, I'm at my first Dr. Joe retreat in Cancun. So I got a heavy dose of ontological or or the state or nature of being with the ultimate experience. And that's been continuing, you know, and then I got a heavy dose of the science of being, you know, from the Dr. Joe work, you know, so, so having a document started you know, actually in Cancun, you know, I would, I, I would, I take a lot, I do a lot of journaling, handwritten journaling and journaling in my phone. And I would just write down things that, you know, I really liked, you know, and I stole a lot of things from people, you know, it's like, I know Steve has, you know, something about nobody's worth, worth his judgments, you know, and it's like, Hey, I liked that. So I wrote down judgment, you know, and, and I had a list of about 20 or 30, you know, topics. And then from there, it was really easy to create the document. And I did create it. I've changed it one, you know, you make little tweaks to it. And that I did make a, a, not a big change, but added about three or four statements to it, took away three or four statements to it about three or four months ago. And I create myself like every day I wake up and it's, Shortly after I wake up, I recite my document, you know, and I make sure I never miss. And I have it completely to memory, but I'll have it handwritten. It'll be on my pillow when I go to bed. So I recite it when I go to bed, but then I put it on the railing going downstairs. So when I wake up in the morning, I can't go downstairs without, oops, I didn't recite my document. So I make sure I do it morning and night. And then in the middle of the day, I might recite it once or twice or pieces of it. You know, so learning about four-year-old time is great, you know, but, you know, I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the now. So how am I going to create myself now? And that's what the document's all about. And, you know, I I, I watched JP uh, Morgan train that. I think that you could find the, the videos on in the Ultimate Coach book, uh, on the Ultimate Coach page, you know, and it's like, but it was really, really good, you know. And so between, you know, Steve, the book, JP, Eric, you know, 
I really feel like I've got a really good sense of the document and it does guide me, you know, so. I was just going to ask you what the impact is on your day when you create yourself from your document each morning. How does that impact who you're being throughout the day? Yeah, it, it ties right into the integrity piece, right? And there are some times, I call them document violations. You know, I've said that to people and they don't like, so I've had some people say, oh, that's too strong of a word, but it's what I call it, you know, and it might be where, you know, there's, you know, probably the biggest one I violate would be, you know, I have a statement that said there's no space for judgment or gossip in my life. Uh, you know, and I, by recognizing all my gossips and their judgments and gossips are not the truth, I set them aside, creating love and magnificence. Well, I do find myself judging and I occasionally find myself gossiping, you know, so I will, you know, often pull myself out of that situation and, you know, have a little conversation with myself, like, what am I committed to? So it it has a lot to do with my life and it and it is it, it's something that t- takes a little while to build on too so like anybody that's new with a document you know I, people sometimes struggle creating the document you know and there's no right or wrong document because we all have one whether we write it down or not or recite it or not we all have one right thank you steve and you know i'll just be present to the creation that's in my document and you know, i don't know if i answered your question there but you know, yeah. it, 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 oh, I know where I was going. I, is that people that are new, you know, might have a harder time, you know, like living the document. But I, I think the key is to just recite it, you know, and recognize when you're not it, you know, clean it up, put it back, recommit, you know, re- keep cleaning, keep recommitting, cleaning, recommitting, and then you'll find that you're going to be in integrity a good part of your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I agree with you. It's becoming so familiar with what your document says. And I do find that often I'll adopt one particular statement that I'm, you know, thinking about and really looking at how am I being that in this moment? And how can I be that in this situation that's coming up? So it's that continuous creation. And that whole concept, I guess I kind of understood it, but the idea that we have this power, this ability to create ourselves at any given moment. Like you say, if you catch yourself not being in integrity with one of your declarations, you can clean it up instantly. It's not something you have to keep, you know, reminding yourself of how you were out of integrity or you know, judging, because I think judging, and I know Steve has said this too, it's it's human nature to judge. It's becoming aware and catching ourselves yeah. when we see ourselves being that and making a different choice. Yeah, let me add this too, because it just popped in. You know, when, you know, in Landmark, there's a, uh, one other distinction is there's nothing wrong. You know, so I look at my clients, I look at my family, I look at my friends, and in my head, there is it. It's impossible for them to do anything wrong. It's it's not even you know they're just going to do what they do, and I don't want to put right or wrong on. So 
when I'm out of integrity, there's nothing wrong. Or if somebody else is out of integrity, there's nothing wrong. There's just out of integrity and there's just an, there's an impact or an effect, you know, but there's nothing wrong. And then when you put it back into place, you got to go the same way. There's nothing right. You know, there's just workability. So there's either a lack of workability or there's workability, you know. So I really try to stay in the world of not having these polarities of good, bad, right, wrong. There's just integrity. Just my word. It simplifies things so much, doesn't it? To, sure does. to have that approach. And um, and I think that's really a key aspect of being. You know, we can complicate things. It simply, and I love the phrase of where do I want to come from or where am I coming from as opposed to aspiring to get to. It's a place to come from. Is that how you use your document and your statements? Yeah, it's not, it's, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's, yeah, it's not a place to go to. It's, it's a, you're being in the moment. It's a place, it's place to come from or a place to be right now, not in 10 minutes, not five minutes ago. It's right now being. So, yeah, you know, doctor in, in the Dr. Joe work, and I mean, this is it, this is, this is all over the place, but we talk about the past and the past is just, you know, it's just memories that are tattooed in your neocortex, right? You know, it's a reflection of everything you've learned and uh, experienced, right? But, you know, and then when you predict a future, you know, it's often just based on what you already know in the past. So the the past is familiar and known, and the future is, is you know, familiar based on the past, right? It's predictable based on the past. But when you're in the present moment, it's completely unknown. And that's where, you know, surprises and miracles come from. So I know that if I am in the present moment with you or with people, with myself, things, you know, things are going to happen that are going to be amazing. And, and they might be little miracles, big miracles, who knows? You know, but if I'm, you know, planning something way out in the future, you know, and I'm not talking about vacations or trips, but, you know, who I'm going to be you know, or looking at the past that doesn't serve anything. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a right now experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That precious present moment. Yeah. That we yeah. often lose because our minds are thinking about something that happened before or anticipating in a worrisome way, something that may never happen, but we're afraid might happen. So it's, <laughs> it serves us so well to focus on right now. In fact, that's one of my favorite Steve Chandler books, Right Now. <laughs> yep, don't have and, that one. And, and of course, he gives Steve Hardison examples in that book about, okay, why, what are you going to wait for? Just do it now. Call this person, set up that appointment, you know, do it right now. Yep, exactly. One of the other things, Tom, that you mentioned in our earlier conversation that I loved was you, I think you were giving credit to Jim Klein, who yes. in the questions in the back of the book and then in the introduction section, you know, who do I need to be? And yeah. t- share that insight that he had and why you, I, I think it was very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, James, 
James Klein, thank you for this. Um, so, you know, when you're coaching B, you know, I coach mostly real estate agents. So they, you know, what does that mean, Tom? What does being mean? You know, so now I can explain it really well now, and it and it always leads to a document, right? But you know, if you read the back cover of the book or you know, or the first two pages, you know, it's like, who am I being to be an effective parent? Or who am I being to be a great friend? Or, you know, and it's like people like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, James is in Toastmasters and he sent me a video. I think he, I actually think he posted it in the group. So it's probably in the group. You have to look up James and probably scroll down, you know, and he gave this amazing talk and I'm like, wow, James, you're doing pretty darn good there. But he said, the answer to the question, the answer to the question is in the question, you know? So who are you being to be a great parent is the answer is right there. You know, and you just expand on it a little bit. Well, what would a great parent do, right? You know, they're going to be good listeners. They're going to, you know, they're going to spend their time in the present moment with their kids. You know, so so the so James taught me that the answer to the being questions is in the question, and it just takes that little teeny piece, you know. And since he presented that, I've shared that so many times with people, and they always go, "Oh, I get it now." So it was a good little little uh, video that I watched. That really is because that's true of any any question that we might want to ask ourselves. Ask ourselves, it's right there, and it's a matter of uh, giving it some thought and taking time really to listen to ourselves because we yep. know the answer, right? Like mm-hmm. you just said, we know what a good parent looks like. We know what whatever it is we are envisioning ourselves to be, we really know already what that looks like. It's There's this hesitation as I'm thinking about a variety of ones. There can be resistance internally to wanting to acknowledge that's what's required because that's what we're not wanting to do, right? That's where <laughs> we're coming up and saying, no, I don't want to look at that or I don't want to have to do that, if that's what that means. I think of Chandler saying, you know, oh, I don't really like sales. <laughs> yeah. But because of what he thought it meant to be effective in sales. And I think that's where we can get into issues with ourselves is our perceptions of something. And we think that's reality or that's the truth. Yeah. That little way of looking at it, when people are resistant or they don't want to answer the question or their ego won't let them answer the question. That's where a good coach can come in, you know, and ask something really powerful in the moment, you know, and cause a major breakthrough for that person or an evolutionary step for that person, you know. So, so yeah, you know, that just got me present to be how important listening is too. Yes. Listening, that chapter on listening, I was able to read that to the group too. Uh, and, and that, to me, is such a powerful chapter because it's so much more than what we typically define as listening. You know, to be fully present and pick up what's not being said as well as what is being said. Tom, as we kind of move towards wrapping up our conversation here, is there anything else that's coming to you that you would like to share with listeners around any aspect of 
of being? Well, practice it. You know, that's a big one. You know, it's like whatever document you have, you know, there's no perfect document. There's just a document, you know. So, yeah, start somewhere and practice it. You know, I guess, you know, in the book, the way the book is written, I'm looking at it right here, you know, it's, you can pick it up and go to any chapter. You don't have to read it linear, you know, and get something out of, out of it for your day. You know, so Steve's curious, you know, so many people I know are curious. Mike is, well, Coates is a curious person. I'm a curious person. You know, it's like, I think being curious of how things work and how the brain functions and what what are people saying and and you know how can I be in the present moment? You know, those would be things that you could do is to is to be curious and to learn. And it's like reading, you know, when I was young, you know, I would read magazines, like I said, the psychology today, but I wasn't I'd probably read a book a year. You know, now I'm so I'm probably at 30 books a year or maybe even more. You know, I got a lot of books going all the time. And sometimes I go halfway through and I stop and then pick it up a year later. But, you know, it's like being curious, learning, listening. You know, I get so much from people too. You know, there's there's people in the ultimate coach, Team Tuck, and Team Tuck are on book reading group. I learned so much from. You know, so yeah, it's Curious, listening, consciously creating what you can learn today. I love that you brought up curious because I think that serves us so well uh, and, and helps us move from that judgment piece. Because if we can stay in that curious, then we're asking questions, we're learning as opposed to having to have some kind of definitive answer or circling back to this idea of we have to be perfect, we got to get it right. Instead of that, just saying, I'm in a continuous learning mode. You know, I'm not finished yet. And so it's okay if I don't get this right, because that's a learning opportunity also. Yeah, there's a distinction. And I, I, I believe I've heard it from a lot of people. I believe Steve said it, Dr. Joe has said it, you know, and that a master is not someone who's gotten to a certain place that they're just always learning. They're never not learning. You know, and, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza is that. I mean, he is forever learning. And, you know, I've, you know, you, every, if you just see him every now and then, you might say he's the same guy. I've been around him quite a bit over the last two years, you know, and he's evolved, you know, and that's Dr. Joe. And I'm going to say, and then Steve, you know, he just recently, declared as soon as he came off his December sabbatical from Facebook, right? You know, said what he wants to clean up in his life. And, you know, or not, I don't know if it was clean up, but it was work on maybe, you know, and, and it was kind of around integrity pieces, I think, for himself, things where he saw some opportunities. I guess he should probably talk about it more than me. But, you know, I definitely, when I read that, it's like, hey, Steve's evolving. We're always evolving. Everybody's evolving, right? So keep evolving. Don't stop. I love that. I think that's a wonderful place to to wrap up, Tom, because I think your evidence of that, just looking at your own journey, 
and all the different areas that you have studied and and have been certified because you see the value in learning this material in a deeper way. So to me, you're a great example of what you were just describing there in your you know final comments around curiosity, the learning, and and continuing to constantly grow. So it, when we look at ourselves that way, then it can become exciting to look at what might tomorrow bring that allows me an opportunity to grow and learn, as opposed to ever seeing something as a failure or a setback. It's And I, that's why I have come to love the word possibility in the way that it's used within this community, because I hadn't thought of it that way. Consider this as a possibility. It opens the mind to play with new ways of thinking and new ways of being. Right. You know, in Team Talk, we always are talking about possibility. And Tanya Alvarez says, you know, what's what's possible right now? You know, or as a possibility, could we, you know, so yeah, that's that's huge. And, you know, I do want to thank you. You know, we've been Facebook friends for probably a year, right? You know, one of us reached out and you know, but this is our first kind of uh, second conversation right now, and I want to you know thank you for the how gracious you are in you know being with me, you know. So I really appreciate that, and I look forward to more conversations and developing our friendship. Me too, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to watching your continued growth and expansion as we're on this journey together. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If there's someone you know who could benefit from this conversation, please share this episode with them. Your recommendation might just be the encouragement someone needs. Also, check out www.beingmovement.com. That's being movement spelled all together. You'll find real valuable resources and links to connect to an engaging and just a wonderfully supportive community. Together, we can inspire and support each other on the path to a greater understanding of being. Until next time, take care and be kind to yourself.